we know we do that breakfast once a year and I, the morning service is always kind of difficult because you just get on eating and it's a little bit warm in here and you're comfortable. And so hopefully uh, you'll stay awake this morning, that's for sure. Well, we had a good time next door. Uh, Tim got over to the service for Sunday school this morning. He was telling me he thought he was the only good Baptist showing up for Sunday school. He was all by himself over here. The rest of us were over where we're supposed to be and uh, had Sunday school over there. And so he walks in. He thought, man, I'm the only good Christian this morning. I said, that's not what you were thinking. I said, what you were thinking is you walked in and saw all those cars out there and nobody was here and you got left behind. (laughs) I know what he was thinking. I'm just telling you. All right. So anyway, but we had a good time this morning. Um, I'm going to read just a couple of verses, and because it is a little bit warm, and I won't be long, but would you just stand? I want you to get to one stretch. I've got your Bible, Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read just a few verses with you this morning, Matthew chapter number 2. I never feel obligated to preach on Christmas or any other holiday because uh, we're here for church and we're here to worship Him, and the Lord's got a message for every hour. But this morning, it is uh, with the Christmas story. And uh, tonight, Joy, I want to give out a card tonight that gives the Christmas story as far as the verses and that. Every Christmas, when we had Christmas together, we'd gather around the Christmas tree, and Dad would always read the Christmas story. He would always start, and I think it's Matthew chapter 1 with the announcement to Mary. Then we'd go over to Luke chapter 1. I'm sorry, announcement to Joseph. Luke chapter 1, announcement to, to Mary. Then goes back to Matthew chapter 1, which, uh, or Matthew chapter 2. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2, the birth of Christ, I can get it backwards here. And then, of course, Matthew chapter 2 is for us, the um, wise men. And so he would always read through the story together. And tonight, I'll give you that card. Again, I'd encourage you to read the Christmas story so the kids really figure out it's not about getting presents. And it's about the Lord. And again, it's nice to be able to give gifts during the Christmas season. Matthew chapter 2, let's read a few verses. Again, familiar story, but we want to go ahead and get it back in our mind. This is the story of the wise men. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Verse 3, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor, that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you for the account of the wise men. Lord, would you please use it in our hearts and lives this morning as far as what you want us to learn, what we can apply. And Lord, thank you for the Christmas season. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you that it's not about presents, but about you. Thank you again for salvation that came through your son. Lord, if there's someone in the service this morning, not for sure of heaven, some doubt, some way, would you please again draw them to you, uh, Lord, that they might be saved this morning. And God, thank you for saving us. Father, help us this morning through your word, through the spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated this morning. Thank you again for standing this morning. Just for me, um, I want to look at the wise men. You know, I know there's some misnomers about the wise men. And as far as the story, whenever you see the nativity scene, you always see the wise men there. The wise men were not at the stable. They were not at the nativity scene. We know that because the Bible says that they came into the house 
uh, as is mentioned there, and I think uh, as you see in your, in your scriptures, it says they came into the house in verse number 11. So they did not come into the stable. We also find out that uh, Jesus is not called a baby. He's called a young child, as mentioned in verse number uh, 8 and 9 and 13 and verse 14. Um, all of these verses talking about Jesus being a young child. We understand that uh, Herod killed uh, the children that were two years and younger. So he, the, the wise men were not at um, what we would call the nativity as far as the, the, the baby Jesus there in the manger. But these wise men, um, a lot of speculation about the wise men. Um, some of it uh, is probably good speculation. Some of it is not uh, necessarily scriptural. Um, but I want you to understand that these wise men, obviously the Lord had worked in their heart about finding Jesus, the baby Jesus. They knew from the Old Testament that Jesus would be born. In fact, it's mentioned there uh, that it's said there in the scriptures that he'd be born in Bethlehem. We understand that from the book of Micah. The book of Micah says in Bethlehem, Ephrata. And by the way, I think the reason God spelled out Ephrata because there were two Bethlehems. He said God was very specific where Jesus was going to be born. And so uh, through the scriptures and through other things that these uh, wise men, uh, they came to Jesus and they had a desire to seek him. Now, can I, I'm going to make the parallel this morning, first of all, and just, just t tell you that wise men still seek Jesus, and that's not just a cliche. If you're saved, you should seek Jesus on a regular basis, all right? And uh, I think sometimes that we uh, confuse people maybe in the sense that we say, listen, if you're lost, you need, you need to seek Jesus. I just want you to understand that if you're saved this morning, it's not because you saw him, it's because he sought you. It's just the way it is. And sometimes we get this whole thing backwards you know, I just saw myself as a sinner and I needed, I needed Jesus and I, and I found him. I want to tell you what, he found you before you ever found him. And uh, at age 11, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior and he came to me. And I want to tell you, we present the gospel because we don't know who's going to get saved. And this morning, some of you this morning, you've heard it over and over and over and you still have not received the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just trying to tell you that the reason you heard it over and over and over is because he seeks you. I just believe that. And I know it's an individual decision that we don't get saved because we want to. We get saved because the Holy Spirit's calling and whosoever will. And we accept that calling, believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And by the way, the devil doesn't want you to seek Jesus. If you're lost, he doesn't want you to find him. He tells it very, the Bible's very clear about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Listen, it's no wonder we're living in a society that broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, narrows the way that leadeth to life everlasting. It's because Satan's doing everything he can to keep people from Christ. All right? Now, this morning, can I just plead with you this morning if you're not saved? It's not about coming to church. It's not about being a Baptist or being baptized or living a good life. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus loved you, for God so loved the world. He loved you. He died for you. He wants you to be saved. And so can I just tell you that he's seeking you before you could ever seek him. And, and that drawing comes from the spirit of God. And we, sometimes we ponder that and we think it's us thinking, but the, your pondering is whether or not you're going to believe or receive. And again, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is just simply, hey, listen, I'm not going to believe that. Now, this morning, I, wanna, I, I would believe that the majority of the people in here this morning, you're saved. How many of you know for sure you're saved? You're on your way to heaven. Would you raise your hand? God bless you, all right? There's been a time in your life where you saw yourself as a sinner bound for hell and you asked Jesus to be your savior, amen? And uh, that's the only way to heaven, all right? Jesus Christ, only way to heaven, Jesus Christ. Only way to heaven, Jesus Christ. I just wanted to make it really clear. He's the only way, all right? So I'm saved because of Jesus. You're saved because of Jesus Christ. But can I just tell you that if you're saved, you should not stop seeking Jesus. You know, I found it interesting studying this passage that 
when you look, remember, and you know the story, and I just, just, uh, I'll just point right to the point that I'm thinking of, is the idea in verse number four where it says, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, they, he, being Herod, demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem. Trisha, have you ever thought about this? The priests and scribes knew exactly where the Messiah was going to be born. How come they didn't go with the wise men to see where Jesus was born? They're the ones that told Herod, oh, it's in Bethlehem. That's where he's going to be born. I want to tell you that that's a lot of Christians right there. They know exactly where to find Jesus, but they, and they know where, but they're not interested in finding Jesus. There's, nothing, there's not a heart desire in their heart. Young people, listen to me this morning, and so many times you hear it from my lips and again from your parents and teaching you that you need to have a walk with God and you need to be in the Bible and be in prayer. But the truth of the matter is you don't have any desire. You're just like these, these, these priests and these, and these uh, uh, scribes where they knew exactly where to find Jesus, but there was nothing inside of them that wanted it. They could have gone with those guys and say, oh, the Messiah, you saw the star, we're coming along. You know, there ought to be some Christians that have a desire to find Jesus. And I'm not talking about for salvation. I'm talking about for sanctification. I'm not talking about for you to be saved. I'm talking for you to be a good Christian, for you to have some spirituality about yourself as far as finding him and him speaking to you. Can I just tell you, there is a real Holy Spirit. And if you're saved, he dwells inside of you. And he does speak to us. I think there's so many Christians, they're so backslidden in their, in their spirituality, they couldn't find God if they wanted to because they're so far away from God. He said, draw nigh to God, and he will? Well, I want to tell you something. If you're not drawn nigh to God, God's not near you. Yes, the Holy Spirit's inside of you. Yes, your name's written in heaven. Yes, you're saved so as by fire. But can I just tell you, you should be seeking God every day of your life. God, what do you want from me? Help me to be a better father. Help me to be a better mother. Help me to know your will for my life. Help me to be a better worker. Help me to be able to witness to somebody that I can tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to be seeking him. This morning, I want to preach just a simple thought from this and how the wise men found him. And by the way, I know that this is the story, but the story is very applicable for us as Christians is how did they find him? Okay, now listen, I, again, I don't, I'm going to be careful because I want to tell you what, what's spelled out in Scripture, what's speculation. But when I look at the story, I look at the wise men, I think for a second here, Jesus had to be almost two years old because that's, that's how old the children were that Herod killed. Are you all with me so far? And I don't want to speculate so much that I'm not drawing a Bible doctrine off of this. I just want you to think about that these wise men must have lived a great distance from there, number one. Number two, there had to be a length of time that had taken place for them to make preparation. Just family, um, I think, it, uh, Adrian, are you in here? Adrian, come to church today. She wasn't in Sunday school. Okay, she came, glad you came to the morning service. All right, she slept in today. I'm just joking. She was helping in Sunday school this morning. All right, so Adrian is planning on getting married, and she's got some of her family that's in the Philippines, and they're trying to figure out as far as when to, ha when to, when to get married. Are you still going to get married, or did you cancel that? Are you still planning on getting married? Okay, I just thought to make sure, all right? So, so her and Ben are, are talking about, and I never thought about that she has family in the Philippines, all right? I told her, I said, just get married. Don't wait. Get it over with. All right? <laughs> But I did not think about that she has family in the Philippines. You cannot take a trip like that. Oh, I think we're going to go to somebody's wedding next month. There's preparation. There's planning because of the distance of how far somebody is away. Just remember, these wise men, however the distance was, they said they were from the east. These folks that, were, that saw 
they saw the star. They had this idea. Hey, listen, uh, they knew from the scriptures and other things that there was going to be a Messiah that was going to be born. I think that's, it took time for this to happen. And they're taking this long journey to get there. But how did they find him? All right. I want to point out the three things that are mentioned in scripture. So there's no speculation. But there were three things mentioned on how they found Christ. And let me just, let me just tell you the, 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 the main thought this morning. The same three things they used to find Christ, the same three things we use to find Christ. I'm not talking about for being saved. If you're saved, say amen. amen. Okay, we're not talking about finding Christ for salvation. We're talking about on a regular basis seeking him so that I can know him and have his presence and his power and his blessing upon my life and his direction in my life. Seeking him, how does that happen? From the youngest person in here to the oldest person in here, let's find out what the wise men did. First one is in verse number four. Verse number four says this. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them, Herod, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is, what's the word? Amen. Written by the prophet, and now Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Church family, I'm not heavy turned to, but Micah 5.2 says this. But thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Church family, can I just tell you how they found Jesus? They found him because they went to the scriptures. That, hey, it is written. That's how we know he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Can I just tell you how you find Jesus? You find Jesus in the scriptures. Genesis through Revelation is not just a history lesson. Genesis through Revelation is the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. From the time the fall took place, Genesis 3, verse number 15, from the time the fall took place, the promise of the Messiah takes place. And all through the scriptures, you see Christ all the way through the book of Revelation until you find, behold, I come quickly. Can I tell you, if you're going to find Christ, you've got to be in that book. You've got to be in the book. We understand from John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word. So if I'm going to find God, if I'm going to find Jesus Christ, if I'm going to have his presence and direction in my life, I've got to go to the Word of God. John 1, verse number 14, Jesus was made flesh. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory and the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, Jesus, who was the living Word for 33 years on this earth, we now hold in our hand, it's Jesus, the written word. I can't get understand, listen to me, I can't understand how we can hold a book but not read a book and claim that we're Christians. Can I just tell you, the same thing that happened to these priests and to these scribes is the same, same thing that's happening to Christianity today. It's all in name. Christianity. They hold on to the name but they don't practice Christianity. They hold on to a book but they never read the book. They claim to know Christ but they never seek Christ. Can I just tell you that we as Christians, we should, be, we should be a believer that's constantly seeking him. How do we seek him? We read the book. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by? If you are going to increase your faith, listen to me this morning. There are so many Christians who struggle in their faith and the reason they struggle in their faith is because they don't read the book. If faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, what strengthens your faith, what strengthens your walk with God is the book. How does a person get away from God? They get away from the book. It's important for us to seek the Lord on a regular basis. I want to tell you something. Just like a lost person is blinded by Satan himself so that they never get saved, a Christian is blinded spiritually when they don't, when they don't stay in the book. And we don't have time to do a lengthy Bible study this morning, but if you go over to the book of 2 Peter, I'm sorry, 
2 yeah, Peter chapter 1, the Bible says very clearly, but uh, as believers, but add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. And if you read the next three or four verses, he says, and he that does not add these things to their faith, the Bible says these things, if you do not add these things to your faith, that they are blinded. Amen. Listen to me. It's not about, well, my parents were wrong. It's not about the church is wrong. Can I just tell you what the problem is? We are not people of the book. Right. Hebrews 4, 4, verse 12, but the word of God is quick and powerful. Powerful. It's the, listen, I'm all for preaching, and the Bible says that there's power in preaching, but that preaching is not from the person. The preaching is from the book. The book is what changes us. The book is what challenges us. The book is what cleanses us. You know, when I, when I have people that are having problems in their marriages, when they come and talk to me, the first question with them is always this. How much of the Bible are you reading? Amen. I had one lady come to me. She came in with her husband. Actually, she came in without her husband. If I remember correctly, this was years and years ago. And she came in, and I said, hey, um, I said, listen, I know you have problems with your marriage, but I said, what, what are you doing for your devotions? I said, let's start with the basics. She says, well, I read my Bible. I said, okay, I want to know, just tell me. I said, what are you reading schedulely? I mean, what, are, what are you schedulely reading? I mean, are you reading three chapters a day, reading five chapters a day? What, what are you doing? She says, oh, I don't do that. She says, I get up in the morning, I just open my book, and I just put my finger on, and whatever verse it is, I just read those verses. I said, you're not having your devotions. I said, if you do not have a scheduled way to have a walk with God, you are not having a walk with God. I'm going to tell you something. I married my, I married, today, actually, today's our anniversary, 32 years. It's been a long time. I asked her this morning, I said, did you think you'd make it this long? She said, no. <laughs> she, said, she said, I didn't think I was going to live this long. You know, I'm married to my wife seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I'm not married to my wife this day, and then we skip a few days. We're always married. If you're a Christian, you're not married to God some days and not married to God other days. The Bible says that we're the bride of Christ. He's the groom. Okay, if I can't have conversation with my wife on a regular basis to be able to keep my marriage intact, how do you expect to keep your Christianity intact? You are not going to be the Christian God wants you to be if you don't walk with him. So he's, we see, how did the wise men find him? The wise men found him real quickly. They found him through the scriptures. I, I know this is, I know, I know some of you are thinking, oh, we've heard this before. Well, if you start doing it, we wouldn't have to keep saying it. We find out it's through the scriptures. All right, look at something else here. Look at the next verse with me. Look at verse number two with me. Verse two says this. <clears throat> Saying, I'm going to read verse number one. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there, were, uh, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, I don't think there's any accidents in Scripture, and I know you don't either, but look at verse number two again. I want to point out two words. Saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen, what's the next two words? Now, church, let me think for a moment here. They personalized a star. It wasn't, we seen a star. It wasn't a matter of, you know, we, we saw this bright light. They said, we have seen his star. In other words, this was the Messiah's star. Now, I don't know completely, God doesn't, I don't feel like the Lord tells us incomplete, but I don't understand how they figured out 
that that star was the star for the Messiah, but they figured it out. Now, can I tell you something? Here's the parallel. It's very, to me, it's very, very clear. The star is what led them to, to Jesus, just like the scriptures did. The scriptures led them to Jesus. The star led them to Jesus, all right? Now, the star was something that was supernatural, something that God had made. To me, the parallel is real simple, okay? The scriptures is what helps us find Jesus Christ on a regular basis. But can I just tell you this? It's also the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. The day you got saved, according to 1 Corinthians, he come, came, came in and he dwells inside of you. Do you ever doubt, do you doubt that? That there is God, the Holy Spirit, that dwells inside the believers. Jesus says it's imperative, I'm paraphrasing, he says it's imperative for me to leave, but he says, if I go, he says, I'm gonna leave you a comforter that not only shall be with you, here's what he said, shall be in you. John 14. Can I just tell you that the reason the wise men found Jesus was through the star, and it was his star. Can I tell the reason we find Jesus? Because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who always points to Jesus. John chapter 15, verse number 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. That's the Holy Spirit of God. John chapter 16, verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall speak, not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Listen to this. He shall glorify me, Jesus was speaking. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Church, you're a Christian. You have a Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. That's that, that still small voice that you hear that convicts you during a service that you come and you talk to the Lord. That's not the pastor speaking into your ear. That's the Spirit of God speaking to you and you come forward and you make a decision because he dwells inside of us. Do you know what the Spirit of God always does? He always points to Jesus. Always. John 14 and John 16 are the two key passages when Jesus was here on this earth where he spoke of the Holy Spirit. And he talks about how he, the Holy Spirit teaches us and the Holy Spirit leads us in John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance. What things? Whatsoever I have said unto you. In other words, the Holy Spirit is constantly pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. You can read these on your own. But it talks about the Holy Spirit of God as the one who leads us and directs us. Listen, as a Christian... I am spirit-filled as I am scripture-filled. Isn't it interesting point one and two? How did the wise men find Jesus? I'll tell you the first way. They found Jesus because of the scriptures. I'll tell you the second way. They found Jesus because of a star. Isn't it interesting that the same two ways that we find Jesus on a regular basis is through scripture and through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit uses scripture in our life. He brings things to mind. What does he bring to mind? The scriptures. What's the scripture? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The scriptures the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit always points to Jesus Christ. If you're going to find him, it's because of the Holy Spirit of God. If you're going to find him, it's because of the scriptures. We need to remember that. You got saved because one day the Holy Spirit drew you. According to John chapter 6, verse 44, no man can come to me except the Father which had sent me, draw him. In John 6, 65, and he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. So the day you got saved, you were in a camp, you were in a church service, you were at your door. Somewhere, somehow, 
you realized you were a sinner bound for hell, but that thought did not come to mind because of your own thinking. That thought came to your mind because of the drawing of the Holy Spirit, the drawing of God. Now listen to me. I can either accept that drawing or I can reject that drawing. The sin unto death, I believe with all my heart, the sin unto death, which is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, is when the Holy Spirit draws somebody to be saved and they say no. Just for me, the only sin that can send a person to hell is unbelief. We go to, people go to hell, or we, if you're not saved, we go to hell because of our sin, yes. But the sin that keeps us from going to heaven is the sin of unbelief that Jesus Christ died for you. I don't believe that. That's a sin unto death. Jesus Christ paid your sin debt in full. He's the only way to heaven. I don't believe that. That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So it's the same Holy Spirit that drew us to be saved. It's the same Holy Spirit that we become filled according to Ephesians 5, verse number 18. But be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of God is supposed to have control of our life. I get all mad and angry, and I yell and scream. Oh, I'm going to tell you, what, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. So when I'm not Spirit-filled, I'm flesh-filled. When I'm flesh-filled, I, like I, like I act like the devil. When I'm spirit-filled, I act like the Lord. Okay? So I have a spirit inside of me. If you're going to find the Lord Jesus Christ, can I just tell you, it's going to be because of the spirit. It's because of being scripture-filled and spirit-filled. It's going to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you seek him? Or are you like the priests and scribes? Oh, I know where he's at. He's in the book. Okay, you can tell people he's in the book all, your, all, all you want all your life, but if you're not in the book, then you haven't found him. And I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about being a Christian that knows Christ and what Christ wants for my life and the direction he wants in my life. Amen. It's the scriptures. It's the spirit of God. One more this morning. We'll look at verse number four with me. Matthew 2, verse number four. If you're with me, say amen. amen. And I know these, in my opinion, these two, two guys were not good examples, but they do illustrate uh, something for us. Look at verse 4, chapter, chapter 2. It says, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem. Now, church family, let me ask you a question. Were the chief priests and scribes correct that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem? Was, were they correct? Yes. Okay, they were correct. You know, I look at in the scripture, I look at Eli, Eli and Samuel. Eli was not a good man of God. But Eli still knew where to point Samuel when Samuel came to him and says, hey, did you call me? He said, no, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down again. But if you hear that voice one more time, here's what you say. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Amen. Was Eli right in the advice he gave him? Yes. Was he a good man of God? No. Just, I mean, there are no perfect men of God. But can I tell you that the, to me the picture here is simply this. Isn't it interesting that Herod, who was a lost man, knew where to find a spiritual answer? What are you guys here for? Hey, uh, we're from the east, and we found out that the Messiah, the king of the Jews, was born, and we're following his star. We just need to know which city is he in. Now, listen to me. Herod didn't have the answer, but he knew where to get the answer. Fellas, wait here. Hey, call me those chief priests and scribes, those writers of the law, those copiers of the law. You get them into my office right now. I got some guys here from the east. They want to know about this king of the Jews. So where is he supposed to be born? Oh, yeah, we know where the answer to that is. That's real simple. The Old Testament Torah tells us that. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. Just listen to me this morning. If you really want to seek Christ, stay in the Scriptures. If you really want to seek Christ, be Spirit-filled. If you want to stay in the Scriptures, listen to preaching. 
follow the man of God, follow the preachers, he follows Christ. Can I just tell you that when you follow the men of God in scripture, it was not about them? What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 11, verse number one? Follow me as to follow Christ. What did John the Baptist say? I'm not worthy to even tie his shoe. I'm just a voice for him. Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Can I just tell you that if you're going to seek Christ, can I just say you need a man of God in your life? I don't like standing up and telling you that, by the way, okay? Because I'm the man of God for this particular place. And if you're from another church, then you have a man of God for your particular place. But listen to me. I don't like the man of God that I have. He's too tall. He's too small. He's too fat. He's too short. He's too long. He's too loud. He's too quiet. You did not come to church to critique the man of God. You came to church to hear from the Lord so you could worship him. It's about him. It's not about the preacher. It's about him. It's not about the pulpit. It's about him. But you can't separate the fact that God has a man of God for your life. I find it interesting about David, that in David's life, the man after God's own heart, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the man who killed Goliath, David always had a man of God. You find Samuel in David's early life. Samuel's the one that anointed David to be king, and Samuel was the one that David would go to during those early years. When Saul was hunting him, he runs to Samuel and says, Samuel, Saul wants to kill me. No problem. Stay with me. I'll help you out. Later on in his life, he's got a man of God. His name's Nathan. David's king now. And Nathan comes in and says, hey, listen. There's this guy who had some sheep. He had one sheep. And this other guy had a herd of sheep. And the guy who had the herd took the guy who had one. David said, kill him. Nathan says, you're the man. David had another man of God in his life. His name was Gad. Gad's actually found a couple different times in David's life. But one of the key ones was in his life was when he numbered the people. And Gad said, hey, listen, you got a choice to make now. you got three choices. Figure out which one you want. God's not happy with what you did. Just remember, when you follow Samuel's life and you follow or Samuel, the man of God, and you follow uh, Nathan, the man of God, and you follow Gad, the man of God, and you find out that David had a man of God, can I just tell you the three precepts that are mentioned there when you, each, each of those men of God is David had protection because of the man of God. David had correction from the man of God. And David had direction because of a man of God. And I want to tell you something, church family. You're going to have another pastor long after me if God tarries his coming. But I want to tell you something. It would be in your best interest to stop making some major, major decisions in your life without even asking the man of God, what do you think God would want? I've got enough to do in life. I'm not asking you to come see me, but I'm just trying to tell you that God gave you a shepherd for a reason. Now, don't call me what color to paint your living room. I might tell you pink, all right? All right. Hey, all I'm trying to say is this, is that there's something about coming to church and hearing preaching from the word of God. And sometimes it's, it's likable and sometimes it's not likable. Sometimes it's encouraging and sometimes I'm discouraged. First Corinthians 1.21 says, for after, for after that and the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe, for the Jews require a sign. You know, you know he's saying there when he says the Jews require a sign, he mentions this more, more than once in scripture. The Jews were looking, Jesus... Rose from the dead, prove it. So when he talks about the Jews require a sign, and then it says, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. It was a stumbling block to the Jews to believe that somebody could raise from the dead, and to the Greeks that was absurd. absurd. It, was, it was foolishness. But you know what, what, Paul said, what God said through Paul? 
Preach it anyway. Because the preaching has power. And it's foolishness to man, but it's the power of God. Just remember, listen, it's, it's real simple this morning. Do you understand that these guys came from the east and they had, one, they had one focus in mind? Listen to me. It cost them money. It cost them time. It cost them away from their family. But they had one purpose in life. Guess what it was? To find the Messiah, to seek Jesus Christ. You're saved this morning. You're on your way to heaven. You ought to have a desire in your heart to seek him, to know him intimately. Can I tell you, it's the same three things for them as it is for you. If you're going to seek him, and you're going to find him. You got to be in the scriptures. You got to be spirit filled. You got to put the scriptures inside of you so the spirit of God can lead you and direct you. And you need a man of God. You need you need preaching. And you need lots of it. I just happen to know how much. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You need preaching. You know, I don't there are times after a service um, that I question a service. As a pastor, I do. I question if I was uh, prepared properly. I question if the Lord had total control of me. I question, was I really supposed to say that? You ever thought about that? A preacher has to use his voice for everything. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter, uh, 10 and verse number 19, in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. But I have to talk a lot. And God says, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. The word wanteth means lacketh not. I can't tell you how many times I go back to the office and say, Lord, did I do wrong? Did I say right? Did I do right? You're never going to have a perfect pastor. You're never going to have a perfect service. You're never going to have everything. But I'm going to just tell you something here. <clears throat> you just can't get around the fact you need preaching. Amen. I need preaching. Before I came in this morning, I just... Uh, I, I can't explain my entire processes, but this morning I, um, listen, I was listening to Charles Spurgeon. Now, he's not alive. Obviously, they're reading his sermons, and he's very uh, intellectual and very deep like I am. <laughs> so I am not like Spurgeon by any way. I'm so, I am so elementary, and people say that, and believe it or not, it's a compliment. It's not deep. If you come here, the Bible's very clear. It's very simple. But Spurgeon was just like, he's just like way up there as far as his, his language and his thoughts, thought patterns. And so just get ready this morning, I just listened to a sermon. You know why? Because I need preaching. Church family, I want to tell you, we, we need to seek him. If there's ever a day we need to seek him, it's today. Amen. We have enough Herods trying to squelch anybody seeking Jesus. We have enough scribes and Pharisees, or I'm sorry, scribes and chief priests who have the, uh, the, the picture of being spiritual but is not. We have enough of that. There needs to be a Christian. It's not just have to, it doesn't have to be a pastor. Those pastors should be. We need some Christians that you got up this morning and you opened your Bible first. I can't do this. I can't live this life. I can't raise these children. I cannot be the right kind of spouse. I can't. I need you. I'm going to tell you something. If you could ever get a hold of God, you could, you could take care of most of the problems in life. Right. Some of the problems in life are God's testing, but a lot of our problems in our life is because we're not spiritual. Yes, we need Jesus. Are you seeking him? Would you mind and close your eyes this morning?